Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. You can't, you can't always be just. Sometimes you just have to just buy a chocolate bar and know that the company that made it tried to sell breast milk or whatever it was that Nestle did. But, you know, but I bet you all bet, bet you, I bet you buy yourself a little chocolate bar every now and then that's made by Nestle. Uh, Kinder Buenos, are they made by Nestle? Because I'm yeah, going to be honest, Kinder's Nestle. I fucking live off those at the moment. I fucking love a bueno. I had four in one day the other day. Uh, good day. <laughs> it's <a> good day. <laughs> you just can't. You just can't. You got to pick your battles, didn't you? You know. Yeah, you do. You it's, do. It's fine to boycott, but you can't boycott you everything. Can't, you know. You can't boycott everything. You can't boycott. People should boycott this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And so it has because because of that. Kanye 2020. No, come on. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us in season quattro, which is called Ooh. Is It Rad In Your Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career album by album, track by track. Lucas has been delivered what? What have you been delivered there? <laughs> I've just been delivered Terry's Chocolate Orange snowballs oh, oh lovely little segment so they'll be terry's chocolate orange yeah, but they'll yeah, have like yeah. you know, that like sugary coating you know that's so delicious on a on a on like an on like a chocolate bar you know like a mini mini egg we're asking questions like does context matter when you're listening to music does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output and this season we are of course asking is it rad in your head? To be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the bad radio head? Not, is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called, is it rad in your head? And which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool, and I'm an audiophile. 
I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who said they don't care about art or talking about art, does not often relate personally to music, but is a technophile. It is, of course, Lucas Way. I'm so not an audiophile that I'm eating a chocolate bar while we record. <laughs> In the middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate context, art, and subject matter, and is just learning how to convey that in the form of words, and is an X-file. It's Steve Good. Murphy. I, I mean, I panicked. Where, what? What? what <laughs> why? What did you, why did you think know, I was what, going? Hey? Why? Huh? Does it matter? Huh? Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Guys, it's been a hot minute since we recorded a proper episode. I feel like we've been doing little bits and pieces and stuff and random things and uh, all sorts of gubbins and stuff, but we've not done a proper Radiohead-focused track-by-track sort of thing. It's, like the last one was when we did In Rainbows, which was IRL, yeah. which was like six months ago. Six years months. ago. Years ago. Absolutely years Before ago. Before we did this podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine. Good. Good. That's the catch-up section of the podcast yep. done. <laughs> We're going through the entire discography of Extra Song Havers, Radiohead. Mm. Uh, we've recently been exploring their seventh studio album, In Rainbows. Uh, today, we're going to have a look at that album's bonus disc in order to get a little closer to answering the question, what is music? Guys, learning from our travels so far... What is music to you? Topsy turvy town. That. Okay, that's music. Yeah, Lucas. Uh, little samples of songs, but not the full song. Just like a bit mm. for a minute, <laughs> specifically or from okay. the last album, last track on an album. Yeah, like a bit, just a bit. Right, just a small little bit, like a piano okay. sample. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Okay. I like that. It's yeah, all music. Yeah. Um, guys, we've sort of covered the circumstances of the release of Radiohead's seventh album, pretty conclusively i think uh in rainbows released october 10th with 10 days warning on a pay what you want basis you remember that remember all that yeah it's cool yeah it gave the industry a bit of a kick up the ass and either predicted or initiated how music is valued today by which to say it's not um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there, there there was a standard uh, CD release at the end of 2007, just after the deluxe physical disc box edition. With the disc box edition was a uh, was a second CD with eight tracks on it, and that's in Rainbow's Disc Two. That's the bonus disc. We're going to look at this bonus disc today. So, in Rainbow's Disc Two was released around December 2007, because of course, depending on where you lived is when you got it, right? It would have taken longer for the US to get it because it was posted from Radiohead HQ. It was entirely independent. That's true of everything, but like, there's an there's presumably an official release date. No, not really. I, the week commencing December the 5th, I suppose. Really? Maybe that was maybe that's what it is, 2007, yeah. Uh, it's eight tracks. It's 27 minutes. Mm. Uh, it's produced and mixed by Nigel Godrich. You know, it's it's an extension of the In Rainbows album. In is, in some is way. there also someone credited called like Hog or something? <laughs> no, Hog? no, no, Hogular. no, <laughs> pork flavored cereal. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's the leftovers from the sessions, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's recorded at the same time. It's it was all finished before In Rainbows was sequenced. Uh, so they were all in contention for the album in some way, except probably really? two of them. Well, um, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> if if singles were released, right, in the same way as they were the last time Radiohead released an album, these probably would have been the B-sides. Yes. You would have, you would have had these attached to the 
to CD one and CD two of the. Well, they are all B sides. They're on the B side of the album. Yeah, kind of. They are. But also, they sort of work as a little listening experience in order on their own. There's like a weird kind of cohesion to them, sort of, not hugely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose that comes down to me hearing this collection of songs a lot of times. But if I hear Up on the Ladder, I'm like, bang, the match, match is coming next. And then... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it yeah. kind of all works. And it's got little interludes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, it helps. Look, they're, they're very much the same tone. Uh, and they're and they're the same tone as in Rainbows. They're definitely from the same sessions. You can tell something like "Go Slowly," definitely recorded in the, by the same people in the same frame of mind as "House of Cards." You know, uh, "Down Is the New Up," "Jigsaw Falling Into Place," similar vibes, similar tones. Obviously recorded at the same time. Yeah, there is one song from this little set of eight, right, that was recorded during Tom and Nigel's sessions for the Eraser. Oh, okay. interesting. Can you guess which one it was, looking at the eight tracks? Yeah. Okay? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, he's doing the Malcolm in the Middle uh, yeah. song. Go Slowly. You think it was Go Slowly? Lucas, if you had to guess, what would you say it was? Four Minute Warning. Four Minute Warning. That's very interesting. And That's very interesting. Oh, Steve's saying Up on the Ladder? Yeah. Can't say another one. You can't just keep saying songs. He's just going to eventually say all eight the of new them. Ha- the, Harry, the Harry Patch song that isn't yeah. on this. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Also, after we've been through the track by track, we're going to go through some of the stuff that Radiohead were up to in, in the immediate aftermath of In Rainbows and their tour and whatever. But let's start with the bonus disc, since it's the earliest thing that we've got to cover today. And we'll start where the, uh, where the little CD starts at MK1. Can't play it all. Can't play it all, guys. Guys, we can't play it all because, you know, we can't play whole songs on this and they think it's only one minute long. So MK1, yeah, what a banger, right? This is probably going to end up in my top ten. It's just a bit of videotape, isn't it? Yeah. It's just a bit of videotape. videotape. Yeah, it's got some of the some of the overlaid harmonies of the of the videotape, yeah, yeah. Oh, does it as well? Okay, I didn't. Uh, I mean, it sets a tone, doesn't it? This uh, this little one minute of something. Yeah, it's like a little interlude intro. It's like a little intro thing. Um, bit spooky, isn't it? With like with like the breathing and stuff. But like breathing. Yeah, in it yeah, yeah definitely. I think it's definitely. A bit spooky. No. Uh, if it's not spooky, Lucas, why is he making the noise that ghosts make? Yeah, answer that one. <laughs> Have you ever heard a ghost in real life? I don't think a real life ghost would make that sound. And they're always playing the plinky plonky piano as well. You go into a haunted house and yeah. the piano starts playing. I don't think, and you I hear, don't think a real ghost would make that noise. You, I think a real ghost would just be screaming. I think at this point, like, I know that if I die and become a ghost, I'm going to make that noise. I'm going to make some classic ghost noises. I'm going to be carrying chains and clinking them around yeah. and going, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like in a Christmas Carol. 
It's yeah, like Marley and Marley. And just going, the bells, the bells. And people are like, what are the bells? And you're just like, the bells. <laughs> well, that's Quasimodo, <laughs> isn't it? It's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Feels like a ghost thing. Well, it could saying. be. A, he's probably a ghost now. <laughs> hey, guys, do ghosts wear clothes? Like, what are they? Would, uh, I just think be you naked? do. You wear the clothes that you that you die in, right? There, there must be some naked ghosts Why? who have people who've died naked. Oh, okay, that's how it works. Okay, that's good. Anyway, that probably this this level of conversation probably tells you how much we have to say about MK One. Turn of the Eraser beatboxing. There's a couple of beatboxy moments on this collection, right? And in Rainbows as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. In yeah. Uh, All I Need, he's beatboxing. Ditnew. 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 <laughs> as Emily called it's it. Ditnew, as Emily put it. Yeah. It's, it's made me think of King of Limbs. No, the other one. Oh, yeah. Moonshape Pool. Oh, interesting. Oh, really? That's interesting. I could see both being the case because it has like real... I think because of the... Shuffly drums. Well, I mean, everything Radiohead's got shuffle. Shuffle, yeah. But also like the stringiness, I think, maybe. Because mm. that's a bit moon-shaped poorly, isn't well, it? Well, the string, yes. Now, that's true. Now, that's a bit of a spoiler for how they use strings on a moon-shaped pool, because I think that the way they use strings on a moon-shaped pool is very specific, in that they're very, very cinematic, right? And I think... That the strings in Down is the New Up. I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that the Down is the New Up has very cinematic strings. Let's have a little listen to Mm. the strings. Uh, I'm going to have to find them. Hang on. heard them use strings like that before yeah i've never really like considered them to be cinematic but they really are yeah it's almost like that's cool yeah it's like very they're very grand and i do have written that this is like potentially lucas bait but also maybe too like 
I don't know. I, Lucas, how did you feel going into In Rainbow's Disc 2, bearing in mind it's kind of sold as an extension of one of your favourite albums of all time? Yeah, I didn't really see it as that, though. Yeah. I, saw, I kind of figured it would be the stuff that they didn't put on the album from the sessions. But but even so, like you've got to imagine those sessions are pretty cool. We've described previously as, on, I know, other seasons as just a bunch of B-sides. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a bit. It is a bit, but also Radiohead B-sides are very good. Well, because Radiohead <laughs> generally make good songs. Yeah, that's the thing with them, isn't and it? So, yeah, this song's great. Yeah. The strings are great. Mm. It's great. It's really they're, great. They're, 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 well, I wrote Ethereal, but Cinematic is better. Okay, lovely. They're both, they both work. Uh, no, yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> but it is great. It was a big part of the 2006 tour and mm. a big part of the artwork posted in the lead up to In Rainbows. So we thought this was going to be a big honking deal. Uh, yeah. And even this recording of it is a big deal. Uh, this is, I know it's, you know, maybe a bunch of B-sides, but this doesn't have the production of like, oh, it's just a B-side, we'll like just kind of toss off this song as though it's a B-side. It's got like the full orchestra and these, like the drums are like great on it and it's got more of that binaural piano. Um, I, I, think, I think it's great. I, I love it. It just kind of uh, just didn't fit on In Rainbows for whatever reason. Considering, like, it's the first time I've ever heard this song, like, when we started listening to this this playlist with this on it, it's interesting how much of, a, like, a Radiohead classic kind of catchy single this was to me. Like, I think they really tapped into that in this period of their career. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, where, like, like, um, like how I found Reckoner seemed to have always been around forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and wasn't as late in their career as it is. Um, yeah, I think I touched on that in, like, the, the In Rainbows episodes, but... Um, it was it's it's really good and it just it feels like a a classic Radiohead not as in like oh this sounds like Radiohead but like it's oh yeah it's just one of those one of the greats <laughs> you know yeah, yeah I don't know how to put it but I think they really tapped into that in this in this uh, but it's probably the accessible side of it but I'm not sure I think if if it had been on the album it would have been a single yeah which is why it's mad to me that it's like not on the album it's weird the whole like I don't know if it does fit the album though. it doesn't well, no this I, don't, is what I, I was going to say does, like no. the, the whole like bunch of bloody B-side syndrome that we we tend to kind of call it like even though like you said that it all kind of sounds like it comes from that era like it's obviously obviously all of this these songs are pretty good stuff like no shit it's Radiohead but like I do <laughs> uh, I'd like a lot of stuff on here like it doesn't connect to In Rainbows that much for me and does stand alone in a way all mm, of these songs yeah. but I think the reason for that is because like In Rainbows is so impenetrably good as like a a piece that nothing could be added or taken away. So anything that isn't that... In Rainbows is such a unit. It really is. I'm absolutely in awe of the size of that lad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord, he coming. It's In Rainbows by Radiohead. (laughs) But yeah, so anything that isn't any of those 10 tracks doesn't sound anything like it to me. But um, yeah, I mean, you can kind of... You can hear elements, obviously, but... um, Should we talk about his little... I've not... There's no... No elements. Elements. On this, I don't think. There's not. Uh, we we all we all, we all did, we all did different we? things. Yeah, we all did different things. Do, are you going to talk about Topsy Turvy um, Town? Yeah, like the little <laughs> prince esque. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> if you're going to talk about that, surely talk about ladies and gentlemen. Without a safety net, I should now perform a 180 flip flop. Yeah, I shall now amputate. 
It's such a good lyric. I've got that written down, the exact same thing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I shall now perform a 180 flip-flop. This is uh, this is kind of my take. It was, it was interesting going into this and giving them very considered listens that that wasn't like oh it's just an extension of in rainbows and trying to figure out like what it is that made them like not fit on in rainbows or whatever and we talked about uh the tone of in rainbows and the lyrical content of in rainbows and i know we talked about death a lot and personal uh sort of things and tom was being very personal so what is what this song doesn't fit on in rainbows i think because it's political and that is something that was not on in rainbows at all it was very concerned with like personal stuff and apart from their cover of killing in the name well yeah apart from that hidden track of killing in the name at the end after videotape <laughs> god that would be shit wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be really, really sour shit. the mood um <laughs> well what would be shitter if radiohead did a version of killing in the name in the style of radiohead or yeah. if they just did a straight up cover of it straight up cover <laughs> what if rage did a cover of videotape interesting <laughs> yeah yeah um but this so so this is like political this is like performing a 180 flip-flop is like a political move it's doing a u-turn this is what we've seen a bloody lot of bloody recently bloody and for the last 200 years i imagine i shall now amputate i shall now contort like i will take parts of my body off to appease the voting or i shall twist into the shapes that they want me to be and i will insist that down is the new up which it's very hail to the thief, isn't it? Bloody gaslighting, bloody Tories. Exactly. Lovely. Yes. Very two plus two equals five. Exactly. It's, it's a hail to the thief lyric with in rainbows music, and so it doesn't kind of fit on either album, and so it's just on. It's just a bloody B side, isn't it? It's funny you said hail to the thief because I initially I initially said that this song reminded me of the Kid A Insomniac era. Until then, the strings, and then I said, "Actually, no, it's King of Limbs." And I didn't mean King of Limbs; I meant the moon-shaped pool. But I wrote King of Limbs. Mm. And when you said insomniac just now, did you mean amnesiac? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Fuck's sake! That's a Green Day album. <laughs> Everything all right, Luke? Yeah, you, you were good. You all right? He ironically <laughs> forgot the title of Amnesiac. Um, <laughs> nice form function. I mean, probably the best one of the lot in it. Down is the new up. Oh, maybe. Um, oh, Steve's got some takes. No, of course, Steve prefers a different one. Yeah, of one. course. But, one of, but don't rush into it, them, Steve. Yeah. Make sure you go slowly. Go really slowly. Oh, I've added, you added the. Oh, it's a fade in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Flan in the face. Flan in... No? 
Right. Is that because of the way that the guitar is picked? At the start? Yes. Yeah. So it's something about the intro made me think it was going to be one of his low register mm. talky songs. It's also Initially. the same picking as They're There. But this is it's very pretty. It's very pretty, yeah, it isn't it? It's very pretty. And it features a Celeste, which is an instrument that we have that yet means. to encounter. It's like a Victorian... No Daphne. Uh, oh, no Daphne on this one. Say. It's like a Victorian instrument. It's kind of... It's uh, it's really cool. It's, it creates that weird little, like... Um, there's no other really said Like the keyboard sound. It, look, it's a keyboard that yeah. creates the keyboard sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a yeah, glockenspiel yeah. on it. And that very earthy sort of uh, acoustic guitar. But again... Of all of the drifty things from the In Rainbows era, you can see why this one is more kind of not on In Rainbows. It's very nice, but then it's kind of yeah. all it is is very nice, yeah. right? Going to be honest, looking like at a, a picture of a Celeste. Is it not a keyboard? Looks looks like a piano. Okay, yeah, it's like a little, yeah. yeah. But obviously, I'm, I'm sure acoustically speaking, it is doing something very different. But just looking at a picture of it, it's, it just looks like a stand-up piano. <laughs> Well, let me hang yeah, on. The, you, you talk about it. Go on. The vocals are, like, so good in this. The lyrics are very, very simple. Like, there's only a few words per line. Um, I really like that contrast when the acoustic guitar pops in, like, halfway through the song, after that droniness. Um, I really like it. I don't think I'm ever going to think about Go Slowly ever again. Yeah, that's probably true. It's probably a little bit forgettable, right, Lucas? I reckon you will think about it again when we when you listen back to this episode <laughs> in February. Okay. I mean, he's got you. He's got you, Steve. Got me there. Yeah. 11 nil. He's absolutely done. What? I think it is up to 11. 11. I think it from? is up to 11. Is it? Yeah. Is it? These okay. go to 11. Uh, right. Yeah. So I've got here. <laughs> I mean, it's fuck's sakes. We're giving I notorious Why didn't JK Rowling more I screen mean, time? Yes. It's the most magical member of the family. This is a Celeste. You might even say that the sound is heavenly, and that's why we call it by the French word meaning heavenly. There you go. Thank you, whoever that man was. Who is whose voice? I'm is not that? sure. It was just on the YouTube video of the thing I clicked that said introducing the Celeste, which I probably should. Then he happened to be playing Hedwig's theme. Probably sh- should have bookmarked it because I'm going to need to pop that audio in the episode, but it's gone yeah. now. So it'll be in your history. Yeah, it'll be in my history. Oh, is the murky depths of my Cel- YouTube history. Well, is Celeste French for heaven? Yeah. Ah. Oh, there you go. If nice. you ever have a daughter, think about what. Think about the word celestial. Oh, something yeah. maybe right to be heavenly or something maybe. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, sure. They did play this live on the In Rainbows tour, both before and after the album. This is one of two tracks from this eight-track uh, bonus disc that they played on the tour after. It came out. Uh, it's this and one other. Um, it, it's also one instance of way more specificity than there is on In Rainbows. A lot of the lyrics on In Rainbows are quite universal, right? Whereas this uh, this song opens with "Oh Maria," which is someone's name. You've got to see her. <laughs> it's, mm. It comes slowly, is what it said, uh, and it's just very, very specific. And I was, I, I don't know what that is necessarily about. I mean, Maria for me brings up things of like, you know, like religious connotations, right? Uh, you know, uh, come slowly to me. I don't know. Made me think of um, uh, Let It Be as well. Yeah. Is the, is the name Maria used in that song? No, but Mary is. 
Oh, yeah. Mother Mary. Comes to me. Oh, Maria, come slowly, come slowly to me. Uh, yeah. Also, very similar to the song Thief by Can. Let's have a little listen to that. Same. Yeah. Same song. Who, which came first? Vocals are a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, very similar, right? Isn't that just Tom York with a sore throat? Yeah, it does sound like it. Uh, <laughs> Can are like a 60s, 70s German band. We've talked about them a bunch, but there's no reason why you would remember that. Um, I don't remember anything you've ever said. That song is from like 1968. but it, and, and it's also a song that they covered, that Radiohead covered during the Kid A live shows. Um, and the original title for Go Slowly when it was put on the In Rainbows blackboard that we talked about was Can Styly. So nice. obviously they okay. were just trying to imitate that song. And like I said on the In Rainbows episodes, now, because they're less self-conscious about it, when they go and try and imitate another person's song, they get it spot on. Whereas before they were like fucking it up and coming up with something wholly original. Now yeah. their music is a <laughs> tiny bit more, a tiny bit more derivative, but also much more honest for it, I think. That's the same. Can't play it all, guys. Can't play it all. Uh, can't play whole songs on this podcast. That one's only 53 seconds long. And it's called MK2. What song? what song did I just do the bass line to? Where I End and You Begin from Hail to Thine Thief. There you go. Yes. Uh, it is similar because it sounds like an, an ons, but it's not. Is this the closest we've come to Captain Scarlet yet? This is the Mysterons. Play it again. Have you queued up the Mysterons sound, Steve? I can I can queue up the Mysterons, maybe. You can do. This is the voice of the Mysterons. I can't do it better than that. This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know that you can hear us, Earthmen! <laughs> There you go. Here's the actual Mr. Runs. Why is he doing that voice, though? Why is it? Is that the work experience, Mr. Run? <laughs> yeah. Is this the intro to Captain Scarlet? This is Mr. Runs. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. By Portishead. <laughs> is that all what we're talking about? Same. Same. I do know this song, though. I recognise that song. I've played that song to you many a time. So uh, I think you'd like Biscuit, this. Uh, sampled that. Oh god! Did they no, actually? That's just doing some. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a sample, does it? It just means that there's only so many ways you can do. You know? No, I'm pretty sure the back, the back, the backing's that. It doesn't matter. One day that's going to come back. The MK2 is. It was intended as the introduction to four minute warning, and it got replaced by what we currently have, which is a similarly droney kind of mode right here come the drones so they just uh <laughs> here they come 
Oh no! <laughs> they come. I mean, I don't really have much to so say about just, it because it's even more win. of an interlude than MK1. It's just some some sounds. I don't know why they're on here. To be honest, um, <laughs> to like, pad length, I reckon. No, because it's nothing to do with length. They could have quite easily just put out six tracks. It's obviously that they liked them enough to to put on there, right? What what purpose would they have originally served though on the album? Uh, are you joking? No, like what? What purpose of this? They'd be a little interludes, basically. I I just said this yeah, was intended no, they, as yeah, the introduction the to intro, Four Minute Warning, but Four Minute Warning wasn't on the album, was it? Right, but it might have been. All oh, right, so I guess yeah. There's no scenario <laughs> where this would have been on the album, but not Four Minute Warning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These aren't separate tracks. These are little bits of stuff like presented to us specifically for disc two, aren't they? They're yeah. like little bits of stuff that they like. The only purpose I could see MK1 serving is do that thing where you put it at the start of the album and then the end of the album is videotape in that like way that some bands like to do. Yeah, but it's not. It's just bits of tape that they cut out with videotape and said, we like that. We'll put it on disc two. Is that why it's called videotape? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Last flowers. (laughs) Fucking winding me up. Appliances are gone berserk I cannot keep up Treading on people's toes Snot nose, let punk And I can face the evening straight you can offer me escape Houses moving, houses speak If you take me there you'll get backing this up with anything so i'm hoping you just agree with me okay cool i I think this may be one of the most manic sounding songs so far can you hear jdb singing this it's that's weird because i've got a manic comparison on a different song really like i don't know if you listen to it again imagine jdb doing a version of it i don't know i think it's a very song song again like it's very much a, a, a classically nicely structured song but maybe it's a title being a little bit like small black flowers that glow in the sky because flowers. Because it's got the word flowers in it. That's the <laughs> whole think, thing. But I think just the way his register sounds and the way he delivers the lines sounds very James Dean Bradfield. <laughs> I don't think. Does JDB ever do falsetto, which this like yeah. whole song is sung in? He does do falsetto, but not for like a whole song. This is the one uh, that was recorded during the sessions for The Eraser. Um, the rest of the band don't feature on this. It's a Tom um, solo sort of thing. Weird to be yeah. on a Radiohead album then, isn't it? Really? Well, but it was written for Radiohead. It's from the OK Computer era. Uh, it was written in like 1997. Is um, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think, I actually think you can kind of tell. Um, it has that kind of 
technological dread. Um, appliances have gone berserk, uh, and houses mm. moving, and houses speaking, and like houses as machines, and the suburbs, and being at odds with cartoonishly drawn, like grotesque members of society. Like yeah. Paranoid Android talks about kicking, squealing, Gucci little piggies, and this one talks about snot-nosed little punks and treading on people's toes and stuff like that. It feels very okay, computer. Um, yeah, in places. I like the appliances have gone berserk. You don't hear the word berserk enough in songs, do you? Well, it's a very 90s word, I think. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It was written in the 90s. I don't know how many times the word berserk's been in a song. I'll tell you, if you're asking. Uh, the word berserk has been used a total of 2,232 times in the Lyrics.com database. So, Wow. So now, is, that, is, that in, is that in that many different songs or that many yeah. different uses? No, that's the amount of times it's been used. So, so it could be good, one song good that point. uses it's about it 200 o- overall. Oh, because right. there's, there's, there's a couple of songs that it, it's it's the only lyric. Right, okay. Where it like didn't say berserk, song. berserk, berserk, berserk. Yeah, and there's also a band called Berserk. Okay. So, so you know, I do research too. And the words lost all meaning. The words lost all meaning to me now. <laughs> berserk. 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 The only context you ever really hear the word berserk is in a video game <laughs> when something is referred to as a berserker, which means like big, big strong, thing. angry thing you have to kill. Yeah, it runs and you have to jump out the way so it hits a wall and that becomes then it becomes weak and then you can hit it. Yeah, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. berserk. That. Berserk. That berserk. sounds absolutely berserk. berserk. <laughs> um, I love the end. I love the it's too much, too bright, too powerful section where it all just sort of gets a bit too much. And it's 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 crazy that they make it sound a bit too much, and it's still just piano and acoustic guitar and Tom's it, voice. It's such a striking set of lyrics, I think. It's too much, it's too bright, too powerful, mm. too much. I just found that very uh, affecting. Don't know why. Yeah, uh, I Because sometimes, well. guys, life gets a bit much. Yeah, and it's too much. And it's too bright. And it's too powerful. I don't think, is it ever yeah. too bright? Yeah, too, I think so. It's too gloomy. So it can be gloomy. I think sometimes, like uh, the the idea of of brightness being overwhelming is actually, I think, very is like really spot on and, and very um. Uh, it's a very astute piece of writing. The idea that something is so bright that you like wince away from it, or like there's so much going on that you have to withdraw from it. I think that's quite a sensitive, um, metaphor for it. Yeah, mm. I like that a lot. I also like the um, if you take me there, you'll get relief, and then him just like the refrain of him saying relief over and over again. Uh, yeah, I mean, his vocals in this song are sublime. They're also dry yeah. and loud. It's berserk. Hey. It's absolutely berserk. Dry, loud, and berserk like Eraser. <laughs> it, it was originally titled "Last Flowers Till the Hospital." Don't know if that. Uh, that well, then it makes you. Then it immediately makes you think of death, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it? absolutely, absolutely. Maybe that's why they took it out. So I actually had a point that, like, oh, it's interesting that in the In Rainbow sessions they had yet another slow, nice, pretty song because there's quite a few of them on In Rainbows, but it's not really from the In Rainbow. Well, it is, but like, it's not. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. It was hanging around at the time, and I think Tom would have taken that to the band and gone. This is the, like what we've worked on so far, and it would have been one of those examples and we'll see it on some of the tracks that we've got to come in b-sides unfortunately they don't really do it loads on albums it'd be one of those examples where the band go like there's no need for us to touch this like that that's that's the version for us like just keep that how it is uh which is cool it's nice that they like because like we said like a lot of bands like 
you know, guitarist would be desperate to go like, okay, yeah, but where does my guitar solo go? I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. Do you know what this I mean? This does like, need a guitar solo, actually, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, when he's, so, going, re- when he's going relief, he's heading back and just going, just, just like a slow one, a slow solo, like... <laughs> Yeah, James but D. Bradfield would have put one in. Yeah, exactly. There should also yeah the 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 solo should be one of those ones that Lucas hates, where it's just the vocal melody but the, on a guitar. The vocal melody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh. lazy, lazy bastards! <laughs> yeah, lazy bastards. Up on the ladder. Quite, I find this song to be very satisfying in a minimal kind of way. Yeah, it's like one of those one thing, one thing in a song things, isn't it? One, one riff, like in I might thing. be wrong. Yeah. One yeah, thing yeah. in a song <laughs> thing. One thing in a song thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. doing my hands like uh, for some reason a crab. Uh, <laughs> this, this is one the one thing that, in a song thing. This is the one that I said reminds me more of Manix because something about that synth makes me think of like Futurology era Manix. Yes, I can see that. It's got that kind of icy, kind of German yeah. <laughs> feel to it, right? Yeah. All these adjectives that we used for futurology. And maybe that's because also it does make me think of a Nine Inch Nails song. And Nine Inch Nails have that yeah. kind of, you know, kraut rock adjacent. They like, do. Electronic, thing, dark, industrial. rock kind of. Yeah, yeah. industrial. Industrial. Thank you, Steve. That's the word we're Thank looking for, Steve, Steve Murphy. And of course, you would use ladders. On an industrial mm, in site, industry. Yeah, yeah, also, yeah. they re- the opening line references Doctor Who. Isn't that weird? Like that, a weirdly that... specific cultural reference, isn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> because they, I don't imagine they watch television. Radiohead no, absolutely don't watch not. Television. Well, if they watch like... television, they'd be called Television Head, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> imagine if they Actually? released a new album and they say like, "You know nothing, Jon Snow," on it. Oh and, God. Uh, God. <laughs> or imagine yeah. they like said like something sucked your soul like a death eater or something shit like that. Or oh, they'll yeah. do loads of breaking bad references. Idiots. That would be great. Oh, God. <laughs> Guys, they, just, they sample breaking bad. There's literally like yeah, doing yeah. a song in the background, I am the danger. <laughs> it's like sampling breaking bad. <laughs> yeah, science. Oh, <laughs> yeah, being like a good magnets. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a, it's another one from the OK Computer era. Uh, so no, this is no, this is on in Rainbow's Disc Two, mate. Yeah, I know, yeah. but so is uh, Last Flowers, which is from the OK Computer era, and, and on in Rainbow's itself, Nude, 
is from the OK Computer era. They were obviously trying to get rid of a lot of the OK Computer stuff. It was just yeah. taking up too much room in their warehouse Lazy. or something. Lazy. Uh, but they did try recording it for Kid A and Amnesiac. They tried recording it for Hell to the Thief. They played it live on the 2002 Iberian tour, uh, which I know you guys remember very fondly from the when what we talked tour? about the 2002 Iberian tour. We talked about it uh, like quite a lot. It's weird. <laughs> like it, did, it had a big chunk of our time. It's when they played in only. Um, um, Portugal and Spain, I think. And that's Iberia. That, yeah. That, yeah. I, I've yeah. never heard of Iberia. You, you know when you get, like, Iberian ham? Nope. Okay, well, they, anyway, it's from that region. Anyway, um, it again feels political in a way that In Rainbows sort of doesn't, I reckon. And you maybe that's the reason why yeah, just on this album kind of thing. Just kind of doesn't, like vibe with the overall mood of of in rainbows um yeah yeah it doesn't fit on in rainbows even though it's got that like upbeatiness that a lot of in rainbows has it doesn't fit mm. the vibe at all i think it's a bit like amnesiacy. yeah it's a bit it like it really might... is yeah yeah is it is i might be wrong on amnesiac do you mean yeah, insomnia that's right. you mean yes, insomnia, insomnia by green day yeah yeah um but yeah it kind of like it, it kind of builds and builds and builds and and it's kind of ends like a ladder. So, oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, not really, right? but sure, for the sake of, you know, the podcast. Yeah. Just good, trying to make me, and, yeah, and like good point. To, you know, give me some sort of value. Yeah. I mean, yeah good, yeah. good point, I guess. Like, Thanks, so, man. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. It's sure. exactly like that. Doesn't fit on In Rainbows. Tell you no. what else doesn't fit on In Rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> Highlight of the disc. He sounds like Cartman from South Park. <laughs> he does when you do it like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Steve, tell uh, us your highlight. Of the it, disc. it is. It of is, course it, it is because it's disc because it's track seven and it's a rock song. Steve, seven good, of eight. That that's what you respond to, Steve. <laughs> Can I, hang on, 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 hang on. It's also my highlight of the disc. Okay, but. <laughs> that doesn't fit with the convention. However, however, yeah. I fucking hated this when I first heard it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I didn't rate it's, it at all. It's so annoying. There's so yeah. many annoying things about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 
had him kind of span his head around as he did that, and it but was then, perfect. But then those are the bits that I now really like about it, is that it's just completely mm-hmm. unhinged. And the bit where he's going, Lord and Lady, blah, yeah. blah, the vicar and the judge. Um, but also the very, very annoying high guitar part that Johnny plays, <laughs> where he's going... <laughs> it's like a little... Uh, hang on, let me see if I can find it. It's so irritating. There you go. <laughs> that bit. Sounds like uh, Franz Ferdinand. It does a little bit. Uh, I also love that when the riff comes back in, you can hear Tom laughing at the song. Oh, really? Yeah, you can just hear him going, <laughs> in the background. Uh, let me see. If no, I, I reckon outside the door, bit. just like a child fell over. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, have a listen. So when it comes back in. There you go. You can hear that. He goes, <laughs> Yeah, in the background. I think it it's works, because he's, it works he's laughing at kind of how underwhelming the riff sounds <laughs> when yeah. he comes back in, because it's just a little like, wah, 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 wah. Uh, fun, 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 fun. Doesn't fit on in rainbows. It's very political. I think they left off all of the stuff that has that political streak. Can you imagine yeah. that was on in rainbows? Mm. In between nude and whatever is after nude. Weird fishes, yeah. Just you think, have that's the perfect place for it, Lucas. That's the perfect well, place for it. Bangers and mash. <laughs> it would fit with um, the original Reckoner, though. Yes, correct. Which is why on on like uh, on the fan made pre album guessing game of what would be on the album, they had both Bangers and Mash and Reckoner on the album because they would be very very similar. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Um, this is the other one that was played on the In Rainbows tour. It's Go Slowly and This from this eight track that was played for a few years after they came out. Right. And it was a big part of the tour before In Rainbows came out. So we kind of thought Bangs and Mesh was going to be on the album. But they played it no, all, didn't they? No other band would have a B-side that doesn't make it onto the album and play it a lot after the album's I know. out. I know. They played it like unless you know, apart like one, like one night years later if that B-side got like a follow, like a, you know, it like, turned out it was really popular maybe but not just like it's part of the part of the set list but i think that's because it's indicative of something like doesn't this it wouldn't be out of place on king of limbs lucas Uh, i can't remember king of limbs well enough to to i mean there's there's like two or three drum parts going on at any one point in the king of limbs and this has two drummers this has tom and phil playing at the same time and we watched them do it live. We've and seen... Tom and Phil are both parts of the drum kit. They're both parts of the drum kit as well. <laughs> well, yeah. they're, 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 they're things that you do on a drums and a drum, I guess. Tom and Phil. Yeah. But we, <laughs> we, 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 saw it, we saw it live on the 2006 commentary that we did. And Tom gets behind the drum kit for this one. And which is a very King of Limbs kind of thing to do. And it has that kind of frantic energy that some of the King of Limbs has. Um, so, Steve, may, hey, if you loved this, Steve. Yeah. Maybe you'll love the King of Limbs. Well, yeah. Maybe you'll hate it first. Maybe you'll hate it first and then you'll like it. Yeah, maybe. It was a quick turnaround, to be fair. It's just great energy, isn't it? Like you said, it's just like, it's frantic. It's Mm. silly. And I liked hearing that. I'm glad it wasn't on In Rainbows. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it would be a real... If this was on In Rainbows, that album would not have gotten a 30 out of 30. (laughs) Everybody Um, would have had it as their low light if it was on In Rainbows. Like, no mistake. Nah, Steve would have been his favourite song. Oh, yeah. They would have stuck it at track seven. Track seven. Track seven, got some guitars all about that, Steve. 
It's, all, it's either track seven or track eight, whatever fits what you want to say, I think. Yeah, I think sometimes it's track nine, but that's fine. It's, it's a region of the album, though, isn't it, yeah, yeah, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like two or three, you know. It's like, no, it's on it's the like album. the second, third rock yeah. track, yeah. Or if like there's the a third rock track. quarter, the third yeah. quarter, yeah. If there's rock yeah. songs on it, then mm-hmm. Lucas can, it's one, two, Steve, three Steve, there four. is enough examples of it that the, that the cliche has backing. Show me the tapes. All right, listen to our podcast back. They're the tapes. I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any evidence of that anywhere. Why did I write in my notes, shucky, dirty guitar? But what's shucky? Is that what shucky means? I wrote that, so I should know what that word means, but I've written it not knowing what it means. The mind boggles, Lucas. The mind boggles. I'll probably skip forward. No, still doing it. A minute in. Unbelievable. instrumental parts were recorded in a hall like doing a sound check just on like some kind of cheap recording device they feel a bit distant don't they mm. feels like it's at the other end of a hall yeah 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 yeah. Well, I agree I agree I think it's very nice I think it's very nice it's um, real scary it's like more or less about an apocalypse and you not wanting to get, wanting it to happen and not wanting it to be real and burying your head in the sand and not wanting it to happen. Yeah, yeah. I know that's an alien to, concept to you, Luke. Yeah, not yeah. wanting an not wanting, wanting the, the world. Yeah, man, but like yeah. to quote Idiotech, that this is really happening. Uh, mm. It's got that feel to mm. the song. Four minute warning is what we supposedly get if a nuke strike happens, right? Yes, it was. It was an actual. It was an actual thing. It was actually in place in the UK between 1953 and 1992. Uh, it's how much time they could detect a Soviet-derived nuclear bomb before impact, and there would have been sirens and alerts on the TV and radio advising people that they had four minutes to seek cover. Yeah. Now no one watches live TV. How would they even do that? You know, it will go on your phone. Yeah, it would be a text alert. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because that happened, didn't it? Uh, was it Hawaii? Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, but, yeah, but the Fuck difference is America hell. has specifically has a, 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 a alert system. So do we. Do we have such a system? Yes. 100%. I would have thought we would have received at least one text in our lifetime then. It's like, a, this is a test of the system. Mm. 
This is a test of the fire alarm system. Sorry, that's a very Sainsbury's <laughs> joke. I don't know. Well, I get it though because, <laughs> because, because I, I used to work at an ASDA. I yeah, worked in enough. Sainsbury's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, <laughs> okay, good. That evoked in me the same very specific kind of dread that this song does. Yeah, it's a bit too close to home. This song, and it like although it's really nice, it freaked me out a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's a freaky, yeah. freaky song. It's a freaky song. Is this a freaky song? Uh, it's another from the OK Computer era. Um, so again, it's from like 1997 and has. So very, very little like, of this in Rainbows Disc Two is actually stuff from the In Rainbows sessions, really. Well, if you take out, uh, well, hang on, they recorded it during the In Rainbows sessions. Yeah, but still. So you think Nude is not from the In Rainbows sessions? Shut up. <laughs> Don't you dare badmouth in rainbows, Adam. Yeah, don't you dare. <laughs> dare even suggest anything on in rainbows as not perfect. So and not in rainbows. Don't you dare suggest in rainbows isn't in rainbows. What yeah. a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say. Um, so, yeah, it has that very 90s sort of dread. But it does mean that three of the six tracks, like the six proper songs on the bonus disc, are... OK Computer era songs, them kind of clearing those songs away. And it means that four of the 16 that they recorded for In Rainbows are from uh, are from OK Computer, which is about a quarter, about a quarter of the songs. That they, well, it's exactly a quarter. Don't mind telling you that. If you count Mark 1 and Mark 2 as songs, which... <laughs> well, I wasn't, because I was saying it's 16 in total, and it'd be 18 in total if you were including Mark 1 and Mark no 2. Worries. Come on, you've got to be on the ball. got to be on the ball. Well, how, how is that a point for you? I, it doesn't matter. No, it's twelve it's, nil from you to me. Oh, okay. I don't. I've not been keeping track. We, well, I'm I kept track nil up of this Steve. at one point. I did I keep track you of this at one point. I, could, I thought you couldn't do it to yourself. That's well, that a, that's the, the Radiohead uh, rule. Yes, we do have the Radiohead rule because yeah, of that song. Yeah, yeah. You cannot that's do true. it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, that's why. And that's it really what hurts. really hurts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but it's kind of there's some more connective tissue there to add to the thematic and tangible stuff we covered on the Ian Rainbows episode about the relation to OK Computer. Ten years later, it was definitely in the air in the sessions and like on their mind. They're getting rid of a lot of the the OK Computer era stuff here. Um, I think they're like you know uh, I mean they're Radiohead songs, so they're kind of like obviously good. Do you know what I mean? There's no bad songs on it. Yeah. That's it. Like, there's not bad songs, it, but there's songs, but there's but there's songs that aren't good. Well, that again, but I don't know how much. So I, I, I was, it was always going to be hard coming in to listen to these songs, knowing these were essentially re- quite unquote rejected songs from In Rainbows, right? So I think that always is going to the context is key here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Does context um, matter when listening to music? No, I don't think so. Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation no, of an output? It's not really. And no. Finally, finally, we're Absolutely asking. Not. No. Uh, do you love us? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh. oh. Support for What Is Music is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by taking advantage of this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use the code. You ready? You ready for this? When you use the code 
big mates at manscaped.com. Uh, in the performance package, you will find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, and some free gifts. Uh, the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to keep all of that stuff in. Manscaped very kindly sent us all of the performance package stuff to try. Uh, Lucas, Steve, how, how did you guys get on with all of the stuff? So, I mean, they've used the word package very intentionally, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's the yeah, package. Yeah. That's, like, that's package. like us level quality in terms of uh, wordplay. It's synergy. Uh, it's why we're perfect partners. Yeah. In terms of quality of uh, product, uh, look, we can be crass, right? We can be crass. I have been known to, you know, little nick here and there yeah. from time to time. Oh! Oh, oh, I'm gushing blood. Sure. Right? <laughs> okay. In this instance, nary a drop. Yeah. Really? Just completely... Nary a drop. Nary a drop. Lovely, 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 lovely. Wonderful. Guys, I, 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 I'm I, going to be honest. The secret star of the show yeah. has got to be the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. Check out my nose. I can't see, see a th- up my nose. I can't see a thing. It's like two black holes. because there's nothing up there, Steve. It's because there's nothing up there, Steve. That's yeah. why... <laughs> There's nothing. No it's weeds. Bold. Nothing. I've got a bold nose. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I've never never breathed so clearly in my life. I uh, have never had such a handsome downstairs gentleman agreement. Gentleman agreement, indeed. Uh, yes, sure. <laughs> my little, my little gentleman's little, no, agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, been that, so keep that. Little, keep that. Keep that. I'm talking of yeah. handsome packages. The, the, all the, the, the packaging that comes in is great. And I just loved it. And it, it is actually great. nice. Yeah. yeah. Like the travel bag is actually quite nice. And it's, yeah. And the boxes are comfortable and stuff. It's cool. I g- genuinely like, yeah, it's cool. And also uh, these trimmers are waterproof. So you can do your business in the bath or shower, which means no mess. You get those free gifts in there too, the boxes and the travel bag. And obviously this is a topic and area that it's fun to have fun with. And the term manscaped is tongue in cheek. But what if you don't identify as male? Manscaped is not gender specific and if you want to groom your body hair they want you to be able to do it safely and effectively no matter your gender or how you identify Manscaped is genuinely inclusive and here for anyone you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGMATES at manscaped.com unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped A couple of years after it was available in the disc box uh, so in 2009, Disc 2 was made available to download as its own thing on Radiohead.com. No, for I think about £6 or something like that. Fucking hell, that's fucking... It became available for streaming in October 2016. For free? Well, yeah, if you, yeah, streaming it, yeah. Not free, though, is it? It is if you don't pay for a premium thing. Think how much more value for money you get out of net of Spotify than me. Like on a per <laughs> listen basis, on a song mm-hmm. to percent yeah. of a penny cost. Yeah, yeah. Your value, oh, it's leaps and bounds above mine. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Although you're I, basically paying a subscription to listen to the songs for this podcast. Although I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't pay full price for Spotify. So, oh, that sounds illegal. No, I've got a family. I'm in a family plan. Oh, he's got. Are you a, are you a family? Humble brag. He's got a family. Yeah, I've got a family. <laughs> it's me, my wife, my best friend, my best friend's wife, my best friend's mum, and my best friend's sister. Hey, families comes in all shapes and sizes these days. Yeah, come in all shapes and yeah, sizes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, 
What what are you what are you making of it then? What are you making of it? Just a bit of stuff, or is it's there a bunch some of stuff? Highlights I think it's mostly there? a bunch of stuff, and a couple of the stuffs are really good, but mostly it's a bunch of stuff. Any of it going to make the fabled Lucas Way's Radiohead playlist? Surely down is the new ups in down there. is the new up. Will yeah, uh, last flowers probably will. Lovely. Uh, maybe bangers. Mark and one. You know, a little bit of fun. Yeah, no, Mark one. I don't know why you think Mark one is like for me. I don't. I don't. You I came in know. saying. I was doing a, I was doing a you joke. came in saying, "Oh, you saying about how you, I'd be happy that two of the songs were short, not short, nothing yeah. to do with the actual content <laughs> yeah, of the song." Yeah, I don't think you're actually going to put my one on. Uh, Bangers and Mash might go on the playlist. Yeah, it's alright. I didn't why say it was bad. I just, it's just, uh, it's just Steve baited it. Yeah, it's Steve. Absolutely. And everything Steve, Steve likes is shit. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, but yeah, everything, yeah. everything we like is shit. All the music you like is the shit music. All the good music is the stuff you don't like. That's, mm. the, that's the thing about it. Um, and then obviously in January 2008, just after the release of the disc box, they played that small little show at 93 feet east, which is where we left them on the In Rainbows episode. And it all gets a bit hectic here, right? So bear with me. They were obviously very inspired. <laughs> Are you being a bear? Sorry, that's the bear that's with me. Obviously very inspired by the process of In Rainbows, every member of the band dives in to working on new stuff, but not all of it is Radiohead, okay? I'm going to kind of just take you through it, and we'll linger on the things that you find interesting, all right? How does that sound? Yeah, sure. First of all, that wasn't a bear. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It sounded anything like a bear. It was very polite bear. (laughs) (laughs) And I did the hands, didn't I? (laughs) He did, he had bear hands, yeah. Okay, Adam, let's do it. Okay, here we go. On the 14th of January, 2008, Jigsaw Falling Into Place is released as the first single from In Rainbows. That's interesting, because I like that song. Where do you think it charted? (sighs) 17. Okay, Steve. Four. That's too, that's too good. Number 30. It mm. was their lowest charting single since Lucky in 1995. That's not very lucky. Uh, in March 2008, they released Nude as a single. Naughty. Do you, you want to have a guess? You want to have a guess at chart for that? 69, baby. Oh, lovely. 36. Okay, 21. It actually did better. It was 21 in the UK and 37 in the US, it's the first Radiohead song to chart since High and Dry in the United States, and it was their first top 40 US single since Creep. Nude, that is. Uh, it was boosted by a competition that they ran uh, for remixes of the songs Nude and Reckoner, and people would download the stems for those remixes through iTunes and places like that, which counted towards chart eligibility. I think it's probably also uh, boosted by the fact that it featured in Hollyoaks at one point. Did it, it actually did, feature in Hollyoaks? I imagine I there's loads of stuff. Did sure. Hollyoaks had like a surprisingly like used some quite good songs sometimes. It's just whatever's like popular at the time though, isn't it? And In Rainbows was quite popular at the time. I guess it's that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Also in March two thousand and eight, there was a music video competition with Anniboom. Um the finalists were judged by Adult Swim and ten thousand dollars was promised to the winner, but the band couldn't decide on a winner uh, and instead picked four winners and they donated an extra $30,000 of their own money to cover all four of the prizes. Um, 
Also, also in March 2008, Colin Greenwood contributed to the soundtrack for the indie film Woodpecker. And I think that's the most interesting of the three, and it's the one that I can't find anything about. Okay, I can't find a clip of the music. I don't know what it sounds like. I'd have to watch the film, but I can't find the film. Is the film not available on anything? No. If anyone's got a copy of Woodpecker, it's a documentary about bird watching. Uh, try our friend uh, James Quinn, he'll have seen it. Yeah, he'll have seen it. He'll have seen it. Uh, Also, also, also in March 2008, it's a busy month for Radiohead. Well, although technically this is not Radiohead, EMI released the first three of the Collector's Edition albums. They released Pablo Honey, The Benz, and OK Computer. They are two-disc releases, with the albums on one disc, and then B-sides and live versions on the second disc. Kid A and Nizek and Held the Thief were released in August in the, of the same year. There was no input from the band. The albums right. are not remastered. They're just packaged with the extra already available stuff, like live tracks that they'd already released and B-sides that they'd already released. They're obviously just, you know... Trying to make a little bit of moolah, summit, summit. yeah, from the. But the band will have gotten some money for that, wouldn't they? They'd just be like, "By the way, we we did a thing. You had no input in it. Here's some money." Yeah, they'll have got royalties, but they probably would have been quite unhappy that it that they that, that it happened. I guess. Can like you the imagine, box like set. your boss or something, just calls you up and goes, "By the way, we did something. You had no input in it, but here's your money now." I mean, the amount of effort I put in at work that happens all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. In April two thousand and eight. Radiohead launched Waste Central, their own social media site. Still going strong today? Loads of members? Yes, basically, is is the quick answer to that. Yeah, it's still going, and there's, like, probably not, you know, loads of people, but a good sort of, like, fan base of there who post, like, set lists and tour updates. But you can, you had to, it was basically Facebook, but Radiohead Central, and they took no data from anybody. Um, May 2008. Their tour kicks off. So, you know, a good eight months after the album is out, they go on tour. They have those LED lights that we've talked about. Uh, They're kind of... I looked into the carbon neutral thing, and it's kind of... I found it on the Friends of the Earth website, who are kind of like... We know Friends of the Earth. They're an independent sort of like organisation that looks after the Earth. They're the Friends of the Earth. They just cuddle it. They They give it a lift if it needs it. They'll lend it money. So they they, what it's for. they take all of their lights, and it's not just the strips. Every single light they used was LED, and the screens were LED as well. And they used 80% less energy, and then the, the other 20% of that, they're offsetting by the fact that they gave off no heat either. Like so, there's no heat coming from those from those lights or concerts or anything. They also made sure that the uh, the the tour was in city centres so that people could could get there via public transport. They gave people early access so they could get on the barrier if they uh, took part in lift shares. Um, They started shipping all of their equipment worldwide instead of flying it to cut down on the carbon emissions. They bought two sets of equipment of the whole show, one for either side of the Atlantic, so they didn't have to transport it long distances. And they used no plastic on the entire tour. The reusable water bottles were a big merch item. Um, they had Radiohead-branded reusable water bottles. That's what they uh, used uh, on stage as well. I know, Lucas, you have said this, and you kind of align with Radiohead here. They're very suspicious of those carbon offset initiatives that are like 
green credits or we've planted a tree for every X amount of product bought. Radiohead just did not engage in any of that. They they didn't mm. see them as actually being genuinely beneficial to the planet. So a very succinct description of the thing we debated many episodes ago, about yeah. seven weeks ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's still not carbon. I mean, it's still not carbon. It's still not technically carbon it's, neutral, but it's, it is better for the planet. It's carbon I mean, better. Could, yeah, carbon, yeah, carbon better. better. Yeah. Um, the tour lasted 10 months. It featured their first ever shows in South America, and the band returned to Mexico for the first time since 1994. Um, also in May 2008, just before the tour kicked off, they released In Rainbows from the Basement, which is an, an excellent live show that they did. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, in June 2008, EMI released the best of Radiohead. <laughs> the mm. least Radiohead thing you could possibly imagine is like a best yeah. of compilation. Yeah, yeah. There was no input from the band. They said that they saw best of compilations as indications of an artist in commercial and creative decline. Um, Tom York said, there's nothing we can do about it. The work is really public property now anyway. It's a wasted opportunity in that if we'd been behind it and we wanted to do it, then it might have been good. And now it's like when you move house, you don't want to peer through the window and see what they've done with the wallpaper because it'll only upset you. Um, <laughs> Imagine an actual Radiohead-backed best of. It wouldn't be the singles and the hits. They just, they'd just stick the gloaming on it because they think yeah. it's one of their better songs. <laughs> yeah, the, the gloaming would definitely yeah, yeah. be on their, their greatest hits, for sure. Um, there was two versions of the greatest hits. There was a one-disc and a two-disc, and they released a DVD too, uh, which featured all of their music videos from the EMI area. I bought the DVD, but not yeah. the CD. Um, do you want to have like a quick guess at... like? What is and isn't on that best so of? Is it a greatest hits or a best of? Because you described it as both. The best of. The best Radiohead. of. Uh, Creep. Absolutely. Track Calm four on police. the first disc. Yeah, absolutely. Paranoid okay, Classic Trees. It's yep. all the singles, right? Like all the big... Lucas, you've described three of the first four tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably opens... no surprises. Yeah, that's number five. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. going in order nice. somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's got High and Dry, which would never appear on the Radiohead-approved version. It's got My Iron Lung, There, There, Lucky, Just is on there, Optimistic, but it's a radio edit, which is actually previously unreleased. It's not available anywhere else, that radio edit. So for Radiohead completists, that's a good reason to buy the best of. Is there also a FIFA 06 mix? Unfortunately not, no, which is a shame. (laughs) But then there is stuff, you know, like it's a short discography at the moment right they, they've only got they can only pull from six albums uh, and there's 30 tracks on the two seven. disc in rainbows is seventh in rainbows is it's, on it. it's like he doesn't listen at all it's yeah. crazy we've spent weeks and weeks and weeks saying <laughs> they didn't release in rainbows under emi and the emi released a box set that couldn't have in rainbows on it and that they've done special editions of the first six albums and couldn't do in rainbows and then he looks at the fucking best of that i've just said the band has nothing to do with and was released under only emi and the band were angry they put it out and he goes but there's seven albums <laughs> shut up lucas <laughs> you know you know this <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely insane um, <laughs> <sighs> 
talk show host is on there, which is relatively <laughs> interesting. Anyone can play guitar and you and stuff Anyone like that. Anyone can there. play guitar yeah. is on it. What an yeah. absolute sack of shit. See, it was a single, right? <laughs> Wasn't it a single? It was a single, yeah. Um, That's why it's there. It seems unnecessary because they don't have a long, sprawling discography. The era that they're picking from is six albums in ten years. There's only 71 songs that they've released on the albums, and the two-disc version collects 30 of them, so the best of contains more or less half of their entire output. (laughs) Like, the best of Radiohead is half of everything they've released. It's crazy. Is 15 Step on it? Right, shut up, Lucas. I've had enough. <laughs> Radiohead said that a best of is when you know, like a, a band has reached a point where they, you know, they they don't have much to offer anymore. What it actually is in this instance is a record label panicking because they've released a great album on their own and not with them. Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, July two thousand and eight. They re- they don't release it as a single, but they record a music video for House of Cards, and they record that music video without using any cameras. In August two thousand and eight. No, we're not pausing for that one, Steve. We're not pausing for that one. Okay. In August two thousand eight. That's 2008. the most interesting one so far. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it on the music videos episode. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Will. August two thousand and eight. Steve, weirdly, you've listened to this. Uh, Tom York releases the Eraser remixes. Uh, did you did you enjoy the Eraser remixes, Steve? As I told you privately, Adam, <laughs> I've only heard one. You listened to the Fortet one, maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you you told us Oh, you told us on uh Behind the Paywall. Behind the Paywall, yeah. Yeah, this wall <laughs> that I've got up in my I move behind it, the wall when I'm it's recording. It's weird that you, you set up a physical paywall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cost me a fortune. I've got to pay to get it's, back there. Yeah, it's made of money. It's, it's crazy. Um <laughs> literally. And then in October 2008, Tom York features on the song Natura by Björk, which I think we should hear a bit of, I reckon. Okay. I reckon let's hear a bit. there from Bjork. Uh, that well, has we, made me so exhausted. That was thinking about fucking the drummer. exhausting to listen to. It was I the dr- never want to cover that imagine, artist. Imagine playing those drums. Can you imagine? I, I don't think anyone that, played those we? drums, mate. I think that's, I think that's programmed. Nah. Uh, listen to that and that's real. Do a podcast on it. It sounds exhausting. Oh, Bjork's, Bjork's just like amazing. Uh, she's such like an incredible artist. Uh, to just dismiss her after you've heard one and a half songs is crazy one and a half where's the one uh we listened to uh, she's come up over time uh, i reckon it probably evens out to about one and a half songs have, uh, have, has my reaction every time been that sounded exhausting no no not at all because she doesn't always make music like that she is uh she's not like you know like muse or anything she makes like different kinds of music uh in the beginning of 2009 <laughs> radiohead withdraw from public life and they kind of have ever since. Like, the, the, you'll find that the details on Radiohead and how they recorded on uh, like things, how they recorded albums or whatever, 
becomes a little bit more sparse from this point onwards. Because from 2009 onwards, they don't really do interviews much anymore. Um, Pitchfork wrote around the time uh, that Radiohead's popularity became increasingly untethered from the typical formalities of record promotion, placing them on the same level as Beyonce and Kanye West. They're now kind of like those artists that you don't hear from for ages and ages and ages, increasingly less so for Kanye West these days, but then they'll just surprise release an album that nobody even knew that they were recording, you know. Um, Radiohead become one of those kind of artists. They Like, for a moonshaped pool, they didn't do a single promotional interview for at all. Like, nothing. I've got no idea how that album was recorded, really. There's bits and pieces that we can get from, like, the Tom York solo album interview and... Ed O'Brien's solo album interview that he, they they do uh, a couple of years after I mean Shape Paul and people have asked them but that's it there's nothing like like the OK Computer era you can do so much because there were so many interviews nothing from this point forward really um, Tom York will do a tell all one day he'll do like a yeah he'll, he'll a write a memoir biography. <laughs> yeah. front cover will be him shrugging you know <laughs> <laughs> bouncing back <laughs> no it'll be called um. Go How on. did I get so lucky? Oh, it's him oh it's lovely. Him yeah, yeah, I love that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, February 2009, they perform at the Grammys, which is also a very un-Radiohead thing to do. Yeah. Um, they perform 15 Step, but actually it's just Tom and Johnny, and the rest of it is filled in by an entire marching band. Okay which is actually very cool and is worth looking up the YouTube video for. That night, they also win Best Alternative Music Album for In Rainbows and Best Boxed or Special Limited Edition Package for In Rainbows. March 2009, they finish their tour. And then May 2009, they're back into sessions with Nigel Godrich. So there's not really actually like a lot of hanging around, you know. Um, in July 2009, Tom York performs solo at Latitude Festival playing at midday on the Sunday, and he played songs from the Eraser for the first time, and he used like a loop pedal and lots of different instruments to kind of flesh out the compositions. And he also played some unreleased Radiohead songs, like Follow Me Around from the OK Computer Tour. And he played a new song, and I'm going to play a bit of the the new song uh, now. This is him at uh, Latitude in 2009. That is called the present tense. It's still they do release that eventually as like a full band version. Still my favourite version of that song. I recognise that yeah. song. Is it yes. off of, yeah. it's off something? 
it comes up later, but it's 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 still my favorite version. That uh, I I love that version. It's so good. Um, August two thousand and nine, we get the uh, the first fruits of what they have been recording, what they've been doing with Nigel, and we get that in the form of the song Harry Patch parenthesis in memory of. lovely song yeah utterly beautiful insane insane berserk it's a berserk. this song it's is berserk. berserk it absolutely goes berserk when this <laughs> yeah. song comes on it's crazy um it's uh so i mean it's it's kind of like a, a difficult one to to kind of talk about and put in its proper context it's it's a staunchly like like it's a it's a very anti-war song um and it's the the lyrics are using quotes of our last surviving world war 1 veteran harry patch who fought in world war 1 um so all of this stuff I think like the last right wasn't he the last yeah, yeah. of any nation the last he, living oh was he world of war any war nation one. i thought it was just the i, thought I think he was Britain. the last living world war 1 combatant i believe yeah that's mm. uh that's crazy and and th- th- this song was recorded by a full orchestra. It's the first time Radiohead have worked with a full orchestra. And it was recorded in an abbey just a few weeks before Harry Patch died. Um, but the song itself, the lyrics of the song, are based on a 2005 interview that Harry Patch did on Radio 4. All of the stuff that is like the lyrics that are give your leaders each a gun and then let them figure it out for themselves is stuff that Harry Patch said, having experienced the horrors uh, of World War One, um, and stuff like I've seen devils coming up from the ground, and the next will be chemical, but they will never learn. Is talking about like the way that he thinks they're going to use that chemical weapons. Didn't they use mustard gas in mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. First World War? Yeah, horrible. So what this reminded me of is, um, I mean, you've answered it, so I'm wrong. But when Johnny did his own his stuff and Tom sang on it, mm. um. Uh, I thought it was potentially an offcut of that. Uh, it feels like it. I mean, I don't think there would have been many other members of the band involved other than Johnny doing the string arrangements and Tom doing the singing. Right, yeah. Um, but the thing about it is, is it's kind of like when 
Tom just did. Do you remember I Want None of This, which is for the Help album? It was just Tom doing the vocals and the piano. And you're like, piano. well, if you if you call it Radiohead, then it'll sell more copies for the charity. And this was a download single released on the 5th of August. It cost £1 from Radiohead.com, but all the proceeds were donated to the Royal British Legion. So right. I think if you just call it Radiohead, you're going to make more money for yeah, the charity yeah. that it's benefiting, you know? Um, it's very, very beautiful. It's very, very sad. It's like the strings kind of like the style of the music really kind of like suits like, like it's like honourable. It's like sort of suits like the honour of the man sort of thing, you know? It's very like ornate and sort of respectful, you know? It kind of sounds like a film score and it's the bit at the end of a, an old World War One BBC drama about the old, about the last Tommy, which was what he was known as. And it would probably show you the pictures of the real people that those characters were based on, and this would be over the top and they'd probably be poppies. It also it also sounds really British. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In a way that I can't really describe, but it just sounds like a British composer, something like like Vaughan Williams or something like that. Yes. Um, I think it's the specific soaring almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of something very specific. So he said this was recorded before his death. Yeah. What was the impetus for doing this song initially, if not as like a memorial to him? Don't know. I think they just wanted to do it, you know. And Tom wanted to write an uh, like an, an anti-war song that was very specifically anti-war. A lot of people have um will have studied I think we'll all have studied it at GCSE level, man. I mean a lot of people have, have uh, compared the lyrics of this to Dolce et Decorum Est by Wilfred Owen. Didn't do GCSE history. It would have been English. I reckon. Ah, oh, didn't do GCSE English. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Um, it, it's it's an anti-war poem written by somebody who was in the trenches. Um, uh, it ends like Dolce et Decorum. Dolce et Decorum. The the old lie. It is honourable and good to die for your country. It was like a, a very anti-war sort of thing, and Tom's kind of like piggybacking off of off of that i think it was it was also available to stream on bbc online where it was hosted with a description of what it was about so they were quite insistent on marrying the context to the song because i suppose it's not it's not immediately apparent is it i mean the way that he sings these lyrics they're not immediately um like you can't go like oh i know exactly what he's saying and what it's about really can you can I just like melt your brain? Oh right? my god! Yeah, go on. So, so, so Henry John Patch, actually his name, but went by Harry, Harry which is a thing that old men do, right? Yeah. They just, especially military men. My granddad's name is Morris. All his mates call him Jack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jack is a catch-all because Jack is also short for Jonathan. Yeah, it's just yeah. Jack, <laughs> and like yeah. Peg is Jack. short for Margaret. Jack. Jack. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he was the last surviving in any country. Um, oh, okay. That's combat cool. soldier of the First World War. He was a super centarian, super centarian, which I it's think like is more than one hundred and seven or something. To 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 reach one hundred and ten. One hundred and ten. Yeah. He died aged one hundred and eleven years. Wow. Which think look at these dates. He was born in eighteen ninety eight. And died in 2009. 2009, yeah, that's crazy. Think of the shit that he saw. Forget, I mean, World War One. Yeah, for one. 
forget that. But, you know, he also saw the invention of the iPod. He saw so yeah. much shit. <laughs> 1898 to 2000. Imagine someone being born now and what they'll see if they live to 2033. 2033? No, 2133. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Right. I was going to say, I'm going to live to 2033. Someone, someone born now who lives to 2133, yeah. the shit they're going to see. Yeah, that's going to be insane. That's crazy. Um, I've seen I've seen that interview and and he seems like uh, incredibly cool and was very like fucking like f- fuck war man. It's just like I'm over it. Um, what I find this uh, it's a really it's not a very Radiohead. No, like anti-war, not. sure, but having the like soaring orchestra and ha- and and very much marrying up. I guess obviously it's a statement, but. Talking about the context and having it very much as a, a a thing, without people living up to interpretation and stuff, literally calling it after the name of a person, it doesn't. It seems just very not them. Yeah, it does. It's 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 less mysterious. Yeah, than than they are typically. However, yeah. it was quite mysterious um, in the way that it was released, and it marks okay. the first instance of the new Radiohead way off the back of. Uh, in rainbows which is there was no promotion no campaign just it's ready and here it is it had been recorded less than a month before it came out and then it was out that was it do you know what i mean like we had no inclination that it was coming based on the number of downloads and bbc streams that it had it would have entered the uk top 10 if it had been released conventionally but uh radiohead.com is not chart eligible um but that was kind of an indication of how they would release things going forward because then a week after Harry Patch in Memory Of comes out on August the 12th, a new Radiohead song just turned up on BitTorrent, um, seemingly leaked, but most likely put there by the band themselves. Uh, it was the song, it was some ASCII art, uh, a cryptic poem and a reference to an August 17th release date. And then sure enough, five days later, on August 17th, the song was officially released on their website, announced by Johnny, saying it had recently been completed in the last couple of weeks. And it was called These Are My Twisted Words. It's all about 1 minute 21. I know it's a long intro. And yeah, okay, yeah, same chord, same riff or whatever. 1 minute 21. It's all about, I'm all about 1 minute 21. Shush, because here comes 1 minute 21. It's 10 seconds away. 
been on this chord for so long. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we didn't hear any vocals there. No. Uh, There's not much in the song, is there, to be fair? Uh, well, I don't no. know. Let me drag it forward a little bit. Let me have a, let's, have a, let's have a shift D. Oh, there we go. Lovely. There we go. These are my twisted words uh, by Radiohead. It uh, really throws you off at the beginning, doesn't it? For the first couple of seconds, immediate tempo change. Yeah, after two yeah. seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like they uh, they loaded up the wrong tape and then Someone had to like shit. cut in something else. Yeah, yeah. Just feels like a big jam, doesn't it? Yeah, it's one of those low key shuffly Radiohead songs. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Sounds so- yeah. sounds like King of Limbs. Does it? Oh. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Uh, it's all about one minute twenty one. Uh, as, as you'll have heard, uh, the first chord change in the song is excellent. I don't have loads to say about it. I threw out the assumption that this is a song that's been on the pin board for ages. No, this, this, oh. we had no idea this song existed. Well, no, but it, like the, their pin board. Do you reckon? Uh, it, it, didn't, um, it didn't appear on any publicly posted uh, blackboards or anything, oh. as far as we know. Um, but, it, you know, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of eerie. Don't think it sounds anything like creep. <laughs> really? If you listen very closely, mm. you can hear sugar, sugar in, in, in the back. <laughs> um, it's got that Krautrock feel, which is a, a term that none of us really understand, but we like to use every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's a cool word, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's in 5-4. Um, they played it at Reading Festival, which is bananas. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, the, the artwork was slightly interesting. It came, it came with artwork that um, was like a number of different pictures and it was suggested that you print them onto tracing paper and then overlay them uh, onto one another. And you can kind of see that in the Spotify artwork. They've kind of tried to recreate uh, that vibe. Um, what a load of absolute bollocks. I mean, <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think it's a cool song. I, you know, I don't think we'll ever mention it again on this podcast. The, the only reason that it's notable is because we thought after those two sort of like tracks, Harry Patch and These Are My Twisted Words, we were getting a new song every week. We thought, yeah. oh, Radiohead are back and they're going to just start releasing songs left, right and centre. And they don't release anything else for another two years. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's a shame. Drew you in. Yeah. <laughs> spit you out for two years. Um, August 2009. Reading Festival, uh, first time since 1994, and only their second time in total. Uh, but we've already talked about that next week. Yeah. Uh, on the <laughs> 31st of August 2009, I don't know if you'll remember this. Let's see. If I say the word seven worlds collide, what comes up for you? One World Cup. Uh, uh, some kind of multicultural, multiple country, all country. All, all the, all, it's something to do with all of the continents. 
It's not. It's not. It's just to do with a bunch of artists who collaborated a few years prior to this and did a series of gigs and released it as a live album. And then in 2009, they recorded an actual album. And two of those artists are Ed and Phil. Okay. Oh. And it's also like Neil Finn and it's um, Katie Tunstall. Uh, and remember, remember her? Yeah, I do. And that's why I mentioned her name. Uh, and it's uh, like, uh, who, <laughs> who, else, who else is on this fucking uh, record? Uh, uh, Jeff Tweedy, Johnny Marr, you know, loads of these sort of like singer-songwriter kind of people. Some of them legends, some of them less legends. Uh, but it does mean that, that there's a couple of songs on there that are, that are written by Ed and written by Phil. And it marks their kind of first little tentative pushes into solo territory i'm gonna play you two of the songs from it one's written by ed one's written by phil why don't you tell me which (laughs) one is which you can see if see if you can guess okay sure okay this is called bodhisattva blues phil oh no (laughs) so that's ed Yeah. All right, yeah. Ruby, 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 Ruby. No. It is a bit kind of cheese. Especially the woe-woes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, like, you can tell whose voice that is, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a blues scale. It's so not like Radiohead, though. Yeah, I know. There you go. That's a bit of both sat for blues. Who do you reckon that was then? Not Phil, is it? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a little listen to Phil's contribution then. I mean, that's, you know, uh, the, the the dirty secret is that you guys have already heard Phil Selway's solo album that he releases in 2010. And that is a song from it, albeit re-recorded. Um, so that's obviously... I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Is that is a dirty little secret? Um, two very different songs, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I loved the Ed one. <laughs> the head one's a real vibe. Um, it's just interesting. I don't know. It's interesting they come from the from the same band. I think that's I think that's cool. 
so that was on the 31st of August 2009. On the 21st of September 2009, Tom York releases a solo single. One of the songs features Johnny Greenwood, who's also from Radiohead. I don't know if you guys remembered that. Yeah, he is. It's yeah. called yeah. Feeling Pulled Apart by Horses, all one word. So let's, uh, let's have a little listen to that. something very specific that we've heard before something we've heard before no i don't recognize it that's old reckoner what is it yeah reusing ideas the lazy bastard so it's a a new a different version of a version of a song they didn't use yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, it's cool. I like that. It's also seven minutes long, uh, oh, and nice. it had a it had a B side. Well, I guess it's kind of a double A side. Uh, it's called uh, the Hollow Earth. Again, all one word. I should have. I have it on the twelve inch vinyl that they released it on. I should have drug that out for uh, merch corner. Drug that out. Is that drug? Drugged. <laughs> Is that a word? Drogan. No, you should drogan. Drogan it out. Um, a week after that, on the 29th of September 2009, Tom York contributes a cover of Miracle Legion's All for the Best on an album uh, to pay tribute to and benefit the lead singer of Miracle Legion, Mark Mulcahy. Um, that's cool. Uh, it's quite a nice version. And then on 16th of October 2009, Tom York releases another solo song, which is called Hearing Damage, and it's from Twilight New Moon. Oh. Now, Twilight New Moon. Which is that the one that we've covered before? We've covered we've covered a handful of Twilights because of the Muse. But connection. I think so so I think Muse, Supermassive Black Hole and Fifteen Step were in played, the first one. We're in the first one. And then New Moon is the second one. Mm. And they have Neutron Star Collision, which nah, was that's the third one. Oh that's Okay, okay. The second one has got I Belong to You by Muse. That's it. And the Tom York song. Yes, so the Tom York song, Hearing Damage. Um, And and I Belong to You, what, like, the placement of Hearing Damage is demented. Isn't it end credits? No, it's not. It's an an action sequence. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. It's when the, like, one of the main villains is being chased by uh, werewolves. Um, it, it sounds like this. Do you do it especially for the film? Yeah.
honestly, watch the film. It's really weird. It's really weird that it gets such prominent placement. It's, Have you it's watched all bizarre. the films yet? No, not all of them. We stopped I stopped during the like new three. season. I said you need to watch them because they are fucking they're bizarre. bananas. They're, bananas. They're films. Crazy. They I are, didn't realise how blue the colour grading is until I looked it up that. I can't yeah, remember yeah. why that scene, the baseball scene. <laughs> I think it's in a what we do in the shadows episode. Someone was watching it, and I said that doesn't look right, and I looked up on YouTube and fuck me. It's just blue. I really like this song, uh, and I weirdly right it had just passed me by for for ages I, I hadn't heard this and then when we were doing so we get to the third movie and i'm like this song starts and i'm like oh this sounds this sounds cool this sounds like <laughs> something that i would listen to what is this and then tom york's voice start and i'm like oh well, that makes sense <laughs> like, yeah, like, of course why. of course he created something that is like that sounds like something I would listen to. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, it passed me by. Now it's on my little Tom York playlist. I think it's cool. It's bizarre that they managed to, one, get Tom York to write a song for a Twilight film. It just seems bizarre. Uh, you must have just one day decided to go to them and be like, this will be a fun thing to do. What's the big thing out at the moment? Rather than yeah, they came maybe. to him and said, do you want to do a song for Twilight? Tom York. No, it would have to be that. It would have to be yeah. them coming to him. He, he, he didn't would go to yeah. them. And he go, didn't pitch the Twilight. Twilight film anytime soon. I'm gonna want to do a song. They went to him and went, "Do you want money?" And he went, "Yes." <laughs> no, he's year? never accepted any money for any of his music. What year is this? 2009. I mean, he's probably at this point got a daughter who is kind of the right age for Twilight. Exactly. So, like, it, it might be it might be that that like he just wants to put something in a film that like his kids will be aware of or something like that, you know. But he's lightened up in general. Like all of Radiohead have have lightened up. Um. Anyway, hearing damage from Twilight New Moon uh, is is definitely the end of the In Rainbows era. Imagine the the Radiohead circa that documentary. What we watched, um, mm. meeting people is easy, and asking them if they'd do a song for a teen werewolf film well i mean lucas that documentary features footage of them recording a song for the avengers oh yeah the the teen spy film and just before okay computer they wrote exit music for a film specifically for romeo and juliet so it's actually not like it's not crazy it's not like outside of the realms of something they do but as soon as they hit kid a they become no serious band Everyone thinks, no, 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 they're a serious band. They don't do things like that anymore, actually. Uh, so it's, it's weird that it creeps in this late in their career, I suppose. I, l- let's, let's just really quickly catch up with the pin board, okay? Let's do it. Because Bring, there's, some things it that, there's some things that we've taken off. Big Ideas, which is called Nude, has gone. Up on the Ladder has gone. Reckoner has gone. Videotape has gone. Last Flowers has gone. Analyze, which is something that we covered on 2006. The eraser has gone. We've added the present tense and still left over is lift, big boots, follow me around, say the word, morning my lord, our (laughs) our favourite, a pig's ear, which also might be called pigsy, Um, something called skirting on the surface and burn the witch. Okay, that's what's left on the pin board. And, And true love waits. Yeah, but we don't we, remember. We think that we it's done. It we think yeah. that it's done. They've they've oh, done it. They've done it. We're going to have to rummage through the rubbish. We'll have to oh, rummage through, rummage the, through the rubbish. Yeah, oh, exactly. We've covered uh, covered quite a lot of stuff there today. 
How much of it, if any, was music? Twilight New Moon. Just yeah. that one. That Just was that music. One. No, okay. not the song, the film. Oh, oh the, the film. film. The film is music. Do you know what? I'll take your word for it. That's fine. That's fine. Um, before we fully go, right, could I read an email? French for email. Uh, oui, which is French for yes. We. Oui. Oh. French for yes. Okay, great. Um, this is from Mikey Maguire. Uh, emailed ages ago. We're getting to the backlog, guys. Big up, big Mike. Hey, big mates. My name is Mikey Maguire. Any relation to Toby? No, he's related to Jerry. I am an absolutely <laughs> massive Radiohead fan, so listening to you guys talk about them has been incredible. My senior year of high school, I subjected my whole school to my Radiohead rambles via my school newspaper and a story I wrote talking about OK Computer. And he's included a link, and I'm going to post that link on social media, whether he likes it or not. Uh, while it is super basic, given that it was one of the first music stories I ever wrote, I'm really proud of it. I also recorded a really shit podcast talking about Kid A and In Rainbows. That's funny, because so did we, uh, because it was a multimedia yeah, we project. <laughs> yeah. One day I will clean up my notes for those two records and publish the whole short book I spent a month writing about Radiohead. To really go method for the story, a playlist of those three albums was the only media I consumed for the month of October 2020. I'm sure that had no adverse effects on my devolving teenage brain i took the angle that the okay computer to kid a left turn the band took showed bands they could do drastically different things and remain successful my angle on in rainbows was more towards its release for free online and how that predated online streaming and mass sharing of music over the internet i mean both very good points i absolutely adore this band and those albums specifically and going back through their whole discography alongside you guys has been a treat you have also inspired me to listen to muse and i've been loving it i think the big difference between the two is muse lack of music goblin johnny greenwood and his wacky (laughs) ideas but i'm still really enjoying listening along with you guys keep killing it thanks mikey mcguire oh that's great i am i am actually going to post uh the link to um the little story that he sent us on OK Computer because it's long and cool. Uh, so look out for that on the on the socials. Um, but that does sort of bring us to the end of an episode, doesn't it, guys? It does. Sort of. It does, yeah. Sort of. It sort and of Also, does, yeah. ex- explicitly, yes. Yeah, also very definitively it does. Yeah, you're right. Uh, thank you, listeners, very much for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday and we'll be chilling out Max and relaxing all cool and watching Radiohead's performance at Reading Festival in 2009 with some people who were actually there, two of whom already host the podcast and two of whom will be guests, all with varying degrees of knowledge on the band at the time of the gig and all with varying recollections of what actually happened. Steve (laughs) with perhaps the least. Varying Uh, levels of interaction and attendance at the gig. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Come and join us for that. But before you do, come and let us know what you think of In Rainbows Disc 2 or of anything that we've talked about in this episode. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music. And if you'd like to send us something a little bit longer, like Mikey did, we will read it out on the show. You can email us, whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And if you've liked what you've heard here and thought, I'd like more of that, but slightly worse, please do head over to our Patreon page where you'll find all kinds of new, old, separate and related things like a monthly series where we reevaluate our with our newly honed eyes the back catalogue of the first band we ever covered on this podcast, Manor Street Preachers, a show where we create themed playlists and other bits and pieces. Uh, there's a new episode of something every week. If you subscribe at one of the tiers, you get two new episodes every single week. 
Monday and Thursday is what is music day for you. But if you're thinking, you know what, I want to give these guys some money to keep the podcast going, but I don't really have, you know, I don't want to do it regularly. Let's not make a, you know, a regular thing of it. Let's just do it once. You could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com or you can send us just a little, um, summon, you know, little, <laughs> over on coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. That about does it. Thank you again for listening. But before you go, please don't leave me. Hi. Hi. Don't leave me. Bye. Don't leave me. Bye. Yep. Okay, fine. <laughs> this is a warning for me. Guys, on this podcast, we very rarely stay on topic. It's full of tangents and distractions and conversational spirals. But guys, what if there was a whole podcast like that? Can you imagine? Well, you won't need to imagine anymore by checking out Nothing Pacific, a non-specific podcast. That is hard to say. Here's what the hosts have to say about their podcast. Ibrahim is starting out as a stand-up comedian, and Marty teaches concealed carry and basic handgun safety in northern New Mexico. They work together during the day as trash men while being garbage people, and Marty thought a podcast was a good idea. Again, this was Marty's idea. Every week they get together and discuss nothing specific and nothing worth anyone's time. They don't really know what they're doing and ask you to listen to them talk about living and working in the war-torn hellscape of Española, watching meth heads do karate in front of the bank and how they can get rich quick. They ask for audience participation like a crowdsourced project, whether it's hate mail or in need of advice on a subject they are very much unqualified to talk about or smart enough to have opinions of. And you know what? They'll read it because they're totally shameless. So enjoy two dudes expressing the hate of their jobs, science fiction, and maybe rocket-powered babies? Who knows? There's new episodes every Tuesday, barring any more mishaps of unprofessionalism or holiday laziness. Head to the link in our show notes and make sure to tune in to something stupid. Nothing Pacific, a non-specific podcast.